Luck on Sunday. Brought to you by Whirlpool. Bet with the world. But first of all, it is ten years, can you believe it, since he had his last ride. He's making us all feel old this morning. He himself looks, well, not a day over 18. <laughs> the age he was when he first rode Cheltenham winners. What a career for Chuck Thornton. since if he was going to give advice to anyone it would be ride as long as you can because then you have to start working he's been working for 10 years now robert thornton good morning good to see you good morning nick thank you for having us wonderful memories there yeah fantastic it was it was great to see just see that little reel and um oh god you, you could relive them moments every day of the week that was fantastic. And there was that little golden spell, wasn't there, where you and Cheltenham did seem to go hand in glove. You seemed to have the place. Yeah, it was a surreal time, to be honest with you. I mean, it was, it was between 2004 and possibly 2008. You'd have certain horses going to certain races and you knew where they were going and it was a bit like, oh, well, that'll win that, oh, that'll, that'll win that, oh, we've got a great chance in that. So, such a confident um, time. You felt bulletproof. And, and, and Alan in, instilled that in you, Alan King absolutely instilled, instilled that in you. So it was great to see Edward Stone winning there yesterday. Yeah, and we're going to chat with, with Alan King later in the show. You've been busy, you've been really busy yeah, really, since, since you left the saddle really, as well. Really, really busy. Um, we've, we've obviously been running um, or managing the stud, Apple Tree stud, for um, a great supporter of, of mine and Alan's, Paul Dunkley. Um, been doing that for the last 10 years. And then just recently we've, we've looked at developing a new a new racing plate, Equishocks. Just tell me a little bit more about that. About the racing plate? Yeah. Um, it is a, a rubber, uh, sorry, an aluminium insert with vulcanised rubber around the outside. Um, it reduces concussion, um, reduces vibration, so vibrations going up the limbs. Um, there's, a, there's massive benefits, which um, we've seen recently from a, from a striking in point of view. If you've got a horse who's knocking his joints, knocking his sesamoids, not... Um, you know, not perfectly conformed or whatever, they all can't be perfect. They, they might knock as they go through or, or, or from a hind leg. Um, and it has great striking in benefits from a, um, other horses around it. So if, the, if, if all the horses were wearing these shoes, which is our dream, um, then they would be a lot safer if one was striking into them, especially on the flat when they race so, so tight. Um, and I think we'll see huge benefits from this shoe. We've seen benefits already when the ground becomes quicker through the, through the summer months. 
um, with the flat horses and with the summer jumping. We're going to have a look at the shoes in, in a little while, but yeah. you wouldn't have been able to do this. You wouldn't have been able to do what might end up being your most important legacy unless you'd built up all these years of experience in the sport. So wind it right back to that period in your teens where you went from being happy-go-lucky guy in the hunting field to champion amateur jockey at 17-18 with David Nicholson riding two Cheltenham Festival winners. I mean, can you really conceive of how quickly that all happened there? No, I mean, it, it, and it, it wasn't... I think Richard Johnson went, <coughs> excuse me, went before me um, and it happened very, very quickly for him. So he was, he was probably the first from that, that batch of riders from the David Nicholson um, University of Life. Um, and then I, I came through um, afterwards. And at, at the age of 18, 17, 18, you just didn't ride festival winners. You, didn't be, you weren't given those opportunities. And the Duke was very old school. So you didn't just rock up at the yard, or oh, you can ride, you'll get rides. You had to work your way in. You had to um, get acceptance from, from the lads. Um, you know, Mark White, who's now travelling head lad for Alan King, he was there, and he, he was, he was um, a second travelling head lad at the time, and he was a hard taskmaster. So you had to work your way in, even to get these lads to speak to you. I think it took Whitey two years to speak to me while I was at the Dukes. Um, work your way in, and then once the Duke knew you were capable and dedicated hard enough, I probably wasn't that dedicated actually, but hard enough working, do you know what I mean? You wanted it, then he'd give you the opportunities. Um, and yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. But there, was a, there was quite an interesting moment when I was interviewing Gary Moore on Friday at Kempton. And I said, oh, how it must be great having Niall Houlihan and, and young Caelan Quinn there, you know, as, as not backup, but yeah, riding most of the horses now because Jamie's on the sidelines. He said, oh, yeah, he said, they're great lads. They're really hard-working lads. They do, do. And then he paused and went, well, he's not pointing to Caelan, but he's a really good rider, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Was there any element of that with you that the Duke actually just thought, well, you're really talented, so I'll give you a bit of a buy? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I probably wasn't the cleverest, as in I'd, I'd get telling-offs regularly. Um, for, for not possibly not pulling my weight, whereas I think Richard Johnson was slightly more intelligent than me. He always he was good at looking busy. Everybody thought he worked hard, but I knew he didn't really. Um, he was very very good at looking looking busy. Um, but I mean, it was a talented crew, and the, not just um, was he was he a bit sort of butter wouldn't melt. Richard, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Or gave that impression. I uh, gave that impression. That I, he, he was um, he was golden balls. Can I say that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 that's that. fine. yeah. He, he was golden balls. Um, and I was probably the, the rogue, um, slight rogue. Um, but it, it, it worked very well. We had such fun. I mean, fantastic times. And I could, I, I could be biased and, and it's a bit of nostalgia, but looking back, I don't think they, had as, I don't think they have as much fun now as, as we had back then. Probably quite rightly. They're more dedicated. They're fitter. Um, longevity is a big thing, so they last longer. But we had an awful lot of fun. And... and David Nicholson now, one of the great sadnesses is that he died quite a, quite a young man, really, by, by yeah. modern standards. And we haven't really had the opportunity to in, enjoy his thoughts on the game in the, last, in the last couple of decades. For those who don't really remember what he was like, just give us a bit of a snapshot. Oh, it, he was a fantastic mentor. Um, firm but fair. Uh, as hard as you worked, you, you, you played that hard as, uh, as well. Um, but everything had to be right. Everything had to be be spot on. You, do you know what I mean? You, you, it didn't matter whether you were an aspiring jockey or a, um, a, a stable lad. Everything had to be pristine, boots clean. You know, riding out properly, um, no messing. When it was time to work, it was time to work. 
but when it was time to play, you, you could play. People talk about some of these figures as though they were very tough and that the atmosphere was very austere, but you paint a slightly different picture. There seemed to be a great heart behind that operation, a big heart in the man. Yeah, abs absolutely. I mean, I don't... I, some of the things that happened to the lads was a, as a... Um, I don't know what you call a, a, a passage, a, a rite of passage, so you, there'd be little tricks and things played on you. I don't think anybody from, from that kind of era would complain about it. Um, it, 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 was, it was tough, but like I said, it, it, it was fun. Um, I think now some of the things that went on back then, we'd, you know, we'd, people would be aghast at. But um, like what sort of thing? Well, just just little, silly little things. Like I can remember having to. Um, we had these tanks, these these um, barrels on top of the um, the mound there at the back of Jackdaws. That in the summer they had to be full of water. So we, you'd um, lead the horses up onto the grass after after um, riding out after galloping, and they'd have a pick of grass take the tack off, get your bucket of water, wash them down. So from the young lad's point of view, it, it was one of our jobs before lunchtime to go and make sure these buckets, these big barrels were full. Um, so that was obviously one of my jobs to begin with. And you'd be there and you'd be filling the, the barrel, water's going in, water's going in, you get it to the top. Just as you got it to the top, a load of the old, older lads would appear, pick you up, stick you upside down. I can see where this was going, yeah. <laughs> And the only way to get out of that barrel was to rock it, knock it over. So you'd have to fill the thing up again. Sure enough, as you got it to the top, they'd appear, pick you up, upside down. And this had happened, you know, over a period of time. But it, but it was good fun. Um, it Probably was not when you, so much fun when you were actually no, in the barrel. But no, yes, yeah, no, but, it, but it, yeah. you still found it funny. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, um, it's a different time now. But, we, God, we had some fun. What did everybody else think when you were being put on Cheltenham Festival winners at 18? I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, all, all I ever felt from anybody around me or people in the yard at that time was, was support and people delighted for you. And you're still an amateur as well. I'm still an amateur. Double at the Cheltenham Festival yeah, in double. consecutive yeah. races, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah, consecutive yeah. races. And then to continue that... Um, Is that the maddest hour of your life? The maddest hour of my life, but it, it actually continued because then I went to Liverpool and I rode two up there and then I went to Punchestown and I rode two there. And, and at the end of the season, it was so surreal. You were just like, oh, my God. I mean, I remember um, Jez Willis legging me up at Punchestown and um, I'd actually ridden a winner for Arthur Moore um, on the quads. And he legged me up on our bumper horse out to camper in the Grade 1, the Land Rover, because I was an amateur. And I can remember him legging me up and going, go on, kid, you normally ride a double at these meetings. Get it done. That's insane, <laughs> isn't it's, it? It's nuts, isn't it? Um, something I probably should have enjoyed more at the time, but I think everybody who's experienced that kind of thing at a young age will, will say the same. And thank God I was lucky enough to, to go through it again. So where did you think you were headed at that point? Or were you not really giving it a lot of thought? Were you just riding the wave? I didn't really. I can't actually remember sitting back. I can remember sitting back and going, wow, what, what is this all about? But I can't actually remember sitting back and thinking, I'm going to be champion jockey, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. I, it was just riding a wave. It was, it was fantastic times and very surreal. I bet it was. And yeah. then the transition came from... David Nicholson to, to Alan King and then Richard Johnson had his own fish to fry and then this lovely partnership between you and a trainer developed all organically. How do you think you two complemented each other? Um, I don't know. It was just, it, Kingy, Alan, he just... He wouldn't leave you off as such. I mean, the, 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 the instructions are so simple. 
fourth or fifth down the inner. So the idea... Every, every race? Yeah, generally. Like, you'd walk around at the start, and I presume it happens to Tom Cannon now and Tom Bells, the lads that ride for him. But you'd walk around at the start and you'd have you, Richard Johnson, Fitz, you'd be like, normal chop, normal, you're doing the normal chop. Do you know what I mean? So fourth or fifth down the inner, because that's what we always did. And, and the, the theory behind that was you line up behind the, the one you think is going to make it, and if he goes very quick, you can just relax back, sit in a little bit, take your time, give your horse a breather. If they're going steady, you're in the box seat. Mm. And you can still make a decision to, you know, if you want to press or, or whatever you need to do. So it's that initial positivity, so the, the intention to be positive, but then to adapt, depending on the yeah, pace to, of the race. To, and, and, that, and those instructions always gave you um, that ability to be able to change as the, as the race developed in and around you. Um, and, and, and equally, if you came in and you ended up, I don't know, too far back or forward, you, Kingy, you'd, why, what, what happened there? So you'd explain, I was flat out or didn't think they were going quick enough, and I'd press, fine. And if, if it went wrong, it was plan B, it was absolutely fine. Was it ever your fault? No. I mean, I remember going to Fakenham, I can't remember what the horse is called, please don't ask me. But I remember coming in off, it was odds on favourite, and I was mortified. I thought I'd given an absolute beast of a ride. Um, and I've, 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 rung, I've I rang Alan up on the way home. Oh, don't worry about that. He's, he's, he's an FG. You, you can work out what that means. <laughs> so, so you were excused? Yes, absolutely. So how much confidence does it give you then, knowing that the default mode of the trainer is, it's not your fault? Yeah, it, it, you're bulletproof. And, for, and like I said, for that period of time between 2004, I mean, obviously went on, my career was longer than that, but between 2004... 2009, you're absolutely bulletproof. And some, some wonderful horses as well. Yeah. I think it's only right that we concentrate on one or two of the, the horses that people will want to remember. Who was the most talented that you rode, do you think? The, the most talented horse I rode, and, and, and I've got no hesitation in, in saying it, was my way to Solzhen. He was incredible. Um, he had gears, um, he had high cruising speed. Uh, he'd settle off any pace, so it, it was, like I said, when when you're there and they go too quick, if they've got him flat to the boards in, in his pomp, in his in his you know when he was winning Arkles and and um, uh, stairs hurdles and things like that, which sounds ridiculous in its in itself, doesn't it? Stairs yeah, hurdles, one year Arkle and Arkle. Year, yeah. Um, when he was in his pomp, he, he was absolutely push button. You could have put a child on him. Um, I swear to God, and it, it was one of them. You'd school him at home and. Jump the five fences or the five hurdles at the end, and there's a, there's a, a big um, that white electric tape and stuff. You would have had no qualms about carrying on, popping onto the road and popping out. He was so well balanced, so so well balanced. It's funny, isn't it? Because he had all the talent, but the career lasted not quite as long as was ideal. No. Yet uh, uh, the counterpoint to that, of course, was Voiperistedes, whose career lasted a long time. Yeah, bless him. And the fact, your reaction there, the way you smiled there, there was a real fondness. To, yeah, to absolutely. Um, I, I, I can remember when I won a Martel Cup on Voipor, um, this is his second Martel Cup, and being interviewed afterwards, and I said, I obviously, absolutely adored the horse. He basically paid for my house, do you know what I mean? He, a deposit for a house. He, he, was, he was such a good servant. But, but whereas my way to Solzhen was so straightforward to ride, um, and had the ability. Voipor could be a little bit quirky. He, he could he could take one on. He could take one on a little bit. I think if that if that's the Queen Mother, if you went back to the second last, he's up, he's galloped through it. 
but he kept, but the thing it was when the second last was in its old position and most horses would might have fallen out the back of that the one thing he did do was keep his head up and, and that was able him to to get up and get away from the back of the fence um, but he, he could take one on. I fell off him one day at Newbury and I was mortified. And it, this is an example of how fantastic Alan King was as yeah. well. So falling off him in the game spirit down the back. And Alan said, oh, don't worry about that. It's next stop, Cheltenham. We haven't had a hard race, have we? He'd be fresh as paint in Cheltenham. It, it struck me yesterday that Alan King had a bit of unfinished business with the game spirit. With you falling off Hoypoor and then getting beaten by Masterminded. Do you remember his reaction yeah, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when Masterminded beat you in the game spirit? I, I, I can't remember the reaction, but I can imagine what it was. Maybe I didn't experience his reaction. But, I mean, it, it shows what Masterminded was afterwards, I think. Yeah. When we followed him round in a Queen Mother, we went down the back there and jumped the water. And again, he was a good traveller. Voipur was a good traveller. And if they've got you flat out, you needed your binoculars to see where well, Ruby Walsh had gone. But when he, yeah, in the end. But when we, when we jumped the water down the back, I think I was slightly in front of mm. of, of Masterminded, and I'm I'm squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. Come on, mate, come on. And then in my in my mind, I've gone, they're going too quick here. If this lad's flat out, this, and then I've looked to me to my right as as Ruby's come up, besides me pulling, pulling a cart. Yeah. And I was just like. There's nothing I can do here. Well, this has beat me. Well, we had um, Dan Skelton on the show the other week and Harry Derham on the show. We had a whole bunch of people who'd been involved in era, some yeah. way in that, in that era. Yeah. And all of them were saying, of all of those great Nichols Galacticos, he's the one that will be unfairly forgotten because just how good he was. Yeah, yeah, possibly. And, 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 and that's, that's possibly... It's true of all the horses I rode. They're not, they're not regarded as greats, are they? But they were, they were, they were great for me. And My Way to Souls might have been the one that would have been a great had he gone on another couple yeah, of years. Yeah, had he gone on a couple of years. Again, we've, we've, we've talked about him, and, and, and the moment he crossed the, the, the line in the Arkle, I just, well, this next year's Gold Cup winner. How wrong I was. I think it was Denman the following year. But I, that's, how, that's how, how I felt and how, how good I thought, we thought he was. Um, I have a very fond memory of the 2007, 2008 season. Well, I'm sure you do as well because you won pretty much everything in it. But a very fond memory of it going around every race where there was a champion hurdle trial and catch it running in pretty much every single one and yeah. getting beaten in most of them. And for whatever reason, and he'll tell you when you next see him, Jonathan Neeson, who was working with me a lot on Racing UK at the time, saying to Alan King every time the horse got beaten, he'll still win the champion hurdle. Yeah. And he did, amazingly. He did, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 how is, is, a, is a good... I mean, bravery in the heart of a lion. Um, and I didn't, I didn't have him down for winning the champion hurdle. When we won the Kingwell the time before, um, I couldn't have him being out the first four. I thought he'd def just his bravery and the, and the fact he'd stay um, probably wasn't a, um, a classic champion hurdle, you know, a classic renewal. And, and his, like I said, his bravery, the way he stayed, the way he jumped, I couldn't have him being out the first four. And he, he was so tough that day. He, he, he left. He certainly went out on his shield that day because I, I, I think, and I don't think anyone, I, Alan wouldn't mind me saying, I think after that race he lay down for two weeks, you know what I mean? He, was, he, he, he put it all on the race course and gave you everything. Very, very special moment. And this really, the, the sort of pinnacle yeah. of your career, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm quite often speechless, but, that, but yeah, when you put it like that, um, Nick, it's, um, it's very, very special. There is nobody who gets to, to our age and uh, hasn't had a, a reversal of some sort. Uh, life has not always gone totally smoothly. And it seems to me that for you, the back end of the, the, 
20 or well, beginning of the 2010s back end of the noughties what seemed to be sort of going beautifully swimmingly well then suddenly wasn't going so swimmingly well either on the race course or off it how did you manage to sort of cope with all that at the, at the same time um that's a good question you stumped me there slightly I, I, in certain respects i'd say i didn't um i think it, it went it went side by side so the career kind of backed off a little bit for, for whatever reason. Um, I had a quiet time through two, 2010. Um, and yeah, and, and, and I can remember, um, again, you've stumped me for words now, Nick, uh, Russell Field, a, a good owner of Allen's, yeah, yeah. Um, they had, what was he called? The horse went to um, Gordon Elliott's in the cross country race. Um, it was not Duke of something. No, 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 um, no. Um, anyway, I, I rode him around Cheltenham. Uh, and in a, and, I'll, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, I ran around Cheltenham at the festival and I did, on paper, he didn't have much of a chance and it, and it felt a little, it, it felt like that. Um, so he ran the race and then the next time he ran, I got jumped off him, Hutch put him on. Because um, you and Wayne were sort of then almost side by side. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we had a period of time with, with sharing the job and I, and I don't mind saying I absolutely hated it. I, I couldn't, like, even now you'll open the paper, you see Edward Stone, Alan King, should be one of mine. There's a lit that little bit there. Do you know what I mean? Tiny little bit there that makes you, makes you think oh, that that should be mine. Um, to be fair, he carried you around there yesterday. Well, know. I think he would. I think even yeah. I'd have won on him yesterday carrying the, <laughs> the extra. Um, yeah. So they, I got chucked off this horse, and I was I was I was I was cross. I was fuming. And f an absolute. Not many owners do this. Russell Field rang me. Said, "Can we go for lunch?" So he took me to lunch. I went to the, the Fox in at Barrington, uh, not Barrington, sorry, Fox in at Oddington, which um, yeah, it's just down the road from me. And we had lunch and we had a very nice chat. And he said, "Look, Chuck," he said, "It's nothing against you. We love you and we love you as a rider." He said, "But when you rode him at Cheltenham, you you weren't there," and I don't think I was. I I, I totally when he said it to me, I got it, a hundred percent got it. You just weren't engaged in that. I just wasn't engaged. No, no, and I th and I think that possibly. That's how it it ended up panning out. And is that because there were too many distractions off the off the track? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. So things weren't great at home. Things weren't great at home, um, which happens to everybody. People deal with it in different ways. You're fighting to see William, um, your, your eldest um, son. my eldest son, and it, yeah, it took its toll. Yeah, I don't really know how you can possibly concentrate on the business. No, but home. some do. Some I suppose do. they can just shut it out. Yeah, some they? do. Some do, and and maybe I'm softer than I look. Um, what do you think the perception of you was as a rider? If somebody had said to, to people at the time, what's Chuck Thornton good at, bad at, indifferent at? I don't know. I, I was, I, I was one-dimensional, fourth down the inner, fourth or fifth down the inner. <laughs> but you've just explained why <laughs> that, that wasn't one-dimensional at all. No, but um, I, I don't know. I'd like, I'd like to think that, that, that I, was, I was decent at settling a horse. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't think there are many tapes you'd find of, of me swinging out of one. Um, if, if Alan would like me to ride Edward Stone over two and a half miles in the Ryanair, I, I might just put my hand up for that. You'd get that switched I off. I think I'd switch him off. Um, you, no offence to Tom. Tom, he was superb. Tom Cannon. Um, that was interesting though yesterday, wasn't it? And we'll talk to Alan a little bit later on and you'll still be here with it for it. So you can, you can give him some stick as well. But um, that was quite un-Alan King-like, wasn't it? To see a horse go blasting off like that and just 
put all the others to the sword from all your experience of doing exactly what you said you yeah did. yeah absolutely um nobody expected it i don't think I, I i was i obviously sat and watched the races and johnny burke was interviewed coming in to the paddock of a great interview um he told us what he thought everyone else would be doing and charlie do should be making it and hoping that that will go on with him and x y and z and then the tapes went up and not shock, but it was like, oh, well, that, that's uh, gone out the window. So that, well, that was lovely, isn't it? Because you, yeah. it shows you that Tom Cannon had actually foxed the rest of his rivals. Absolutely. Um, and I think the, the, the close-up of him coming up the running with a smile on his face, I think that just told you everything. I think that was superb. I, I, I loved that, the, the, that glee on his face, because it definitely teamwork. Alan and Tom probably thought of it together, um, but I'd say Tom had a, had a big say in that. It's quite interesting, you were talking earlier on about that, that period of time after the kind of golden years, if you like, and, and how tricky it was until the point where you, you actually retired. And I can't believe it's 10 years since you, you had your last ride in, in public. It seems to me that you're a happier person now than you oh, were for quite a lot of your, your days riding, even though the memories are so great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from, from one... Uh, that last period I've spoke about, obviously... Tough, but I mean now it's it's fantastic. I've I've got Paul Dunkley, um, who is is the owner of Apple Tree, stood in the backer of us with with the shoes with the Equishocks, um, and he's my he's probably what um, uh, JP is to AP, if if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So he's a mentor. He's a men course, absolute yeah. mentor. Um, and then there's obviously Jenny, my my wife now. Um, she's superb. She's come down with me today because um, these things aren't that natural for me to do. TV work, um, so support, and I've got little Wolfie um, to go along with William, my, my six-year-old son. So th things are good, it's really good. Yeah, and your relationship with William is, is good. It, yeah, it, yeah, it's OK. It's, he's 13, so... Yeah, I have a 13-year-old Yeah, as well. well, there you go. So I was laying that over to you, but it's, it's yeah, it's good. Um, and you, you were saying that, um, that Paul Dunkley has, has backed you in this new venture, Equishock. So I... I was being sort of serious when I said this could be your most important contribution to, to the sport, even though you've ridden 1,100 winners and was a bit of a master of Cheltenham for a, for a period. Because this could quite literally save horses' lives and prevent serious injury if it goes well. Well, well that's ex exactly how, how we feel about it. Um, it's an idea that's is possibly simple. Um, if I tell you a bit of background to it, mm. um, so it, Aaron Tyler, who's who's the designer and, and co-founder um, of of the of Equishocks, he he's our farrier, so he comes regularly to the stud to do foal um, trimmings and um, uh, you know correcting horses and X Y Z. And I, f I found the uh, the, uh, a shoe called an Olaf Soft Step in the back. What's it called? Olaf Soft Step. Olaf Soft Step, soft step right. in the back of his van, and I was like, what is that for? I, like I'd never seen anything like it in my life, and it was it was heavy, quite clumpy, um, and I went away and thought about it. Came back to him. I said, "Come, is there any?" He told me. Sorry, he told me what the shoe could do. He told me what it was supposed to do, what it was designed for. So it was designed for to limit concussion, limit vibration, um, upper horse's leg, but it was used for kind of police horses and things like that. So it makes sense. A so rubber on tarmac out yeah. there, police and things, uh, film sets, next Y and Z. So I've gone back to him and I said, can we make this lighter? Um, obviously um, more durable so we can, we can you know, fit it properly and you know, it's not extra to fit. And 
he said, well, let me, let me go away and think about it. He went away, did a few drawings, did some drawings, and um, he, we came up with the, with the shoe, which, if you allow me to get my box, um, there it is. OK, so this is incredibly light, and that is, it feels like, what, vulcanised rubber? It's vulcanised rubber. Um, and the, and the, form, the formula of the rubber is is, I don't know, where, where can I is not even um, I'm not even aware of the, the formulation of the rubber and the, the vulcanization um, process gets us to just the right of, of softness or hardness that 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 level ground where yeah. you need to be. So that when that is yeah, on there's the, no there's no not really much give in that. No, but but, but no. you'll see a horse on it and you'll you'll see a little bit of give. You'll see so it, it's been tested. Um, we've tested it obviously pounding um, the rubber to make sure the concussion um, reduction is, is there and the vibration is there. But then you can only do these processes in a lab. So there comes a point where you've got to use it in a practical situation, um, which is what we've done. Um, so we worked alongside the, the BHA, James Given of the BHA, to get the shoe approved. Um, he was very, very helpful. The BHA have been very, very helpful. It just goes to show that, that, that British racing is, is... Anyone can use these now. Anyone in, in this country. Anyone in, in the UK. Yeah, anyone in the UK and Ireland. Um, we're in talks with Heiser in America. Um, we're also uh, approved for the NSA, so that's the National Steeplechase Association in the States. Mm -hmm. um, I gather if it hasn't happened, it's imminent um, British Columbia, Canada. Um, we've been approved for track work in Australia. So we're going through the same process with, with New, South Wales, uh, New South Wales and um, Western Australia. Uh, so they're going to they're going to monitor it on the track, um, doing the track work, see how it goes, um, and then they'll allow us into barrier trials and then allow us into into racing proper. Let's just give a bit of context then, Chuck, and show what what you would have had to use or you no. have to use now and what you. So that is that is a racing plate. That's a racing plate. This is currently a racing plate. So that's aluminium. Yeah. And that is um, very, very light. But there's not that much difference. We're, we're 0.7 of an ounce heavier. Yeah. So if you if you take the if you take the um, the old adage of an, an ounce on the foot is worth a pound on the back. Mm -hmm. But then also, we. Your toe grab is a bit longer. It's uh, that's not the grab. That's the, okay. the clip. Oh, that's the clip. Okay. That's the clip. Um, so that that sits on the front of the toe, allowing stopping the shoe from moving backwards. Okay. So it allows um, stability of the shoe. So they've they've both got that. It's that is a little bit longer, um, thicker. Sorry, but you can you can take that rubber off if you need to. If you need to make it thinner to to fit to the horse. Um, we we feel it's the way forward. I mean the, these these shoes wear. They, they like all shoes wear. So aluminium shoes wear on the roads. That will wear similar to an aluminium on the roads. But these can become quite sharp and, and rough, whereas that doesn't. It remains safe. That rubber, that, that rubber won't fall away. You might get a little bit of the aluminium showing, but it, will, it yeah. will not become sharp. Also, dare I say, if someone were to get kicked, this is not going to be quite as well, bad well, as this, that. Well, this is the other side of it. So, for, so you've got all the, all the um, benefits of, from, the, from the horse's point of view. So hopefully the horse is more comfortable. Um, the reduction in concussion and the, and the vibration. Um, we've seen, if a horse has had these on for, for sort of two weeks to a month, the improvement in the hoof health. So the hoof will, um, will improve. Um, and, the, and aluminium can be quite abrasive. So if you took a worn, wore an aluminium shoe off, you'll see rubbing here on, on the end of it, where, where a horse will rub his, 
can rub his heels down, mm -hmm. which, which causes obviously um, heel pain. It doesn't happen with this. So you've still got the protection, still a little bit of rubbing. Um, and what this shoe does, it allows the foot to function. Uh, so does the aluminium, but, the, the, but, but that's what people have been worried about. Does it still allow the foot to function? And it, 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 it allows the foot to expand and contract and do everything it, it should do. And having this on is as close to um, a horse being uh, barefooted, which people say is yes. better, as you can get with a yeah. shoe on. So you've still got the protection. Um, and like you said, with the, from, a, from a staff point of view, so we've had people um, riding home from the Gallops and they'll have to go on a, on a, on a bit of tarmac or something that's a little bit slippy. And, and they've said to us, I didn't realise how apprehensive I was riding home. I didn't think I was nervous or apprehensive, but once I got the shoes on and I've got that greater oh, stability, interesting, isn't it? I've, I've relaxed. I've had people on the ground say, um, say similar, you know, when, when dealing with yearlings and, and things like that. Um, and there's, there's, there's so many places this can go, so it can be used. Hopefully, we can use it on sales horses. We will be able to use it on sales horses. Um, so, horses going to the sales, it'll give them better, better foot quality going forward. Um, there's no reason why. Stallions can't use it, protect the mare um, when he's jumping on. If he has to have front feet on, you're probably going to leave him bare, bare shot. But in the, in the cases where you need something on there, same again, mare, hind, hind shoes. So shoes. if she goes and kicks the stallion, yeah, yeah. yeah you're not going to do um, it. The, the, there's so many, so many things we can go with. And, and, and what, there has been a little bit of pushback, obviously, from farriers and things. And they look at that and they think it's going to be difficult to fit. Now, yeah, to begin with, it might take you a little bit more time to... Um, to fit, but once you're used to it, in the experiences I've had, I'm not a farrier, but from Aaron Tyler's point of view and the guy, um, John Benfield, who is farrier to Graham McPherson, David Kilhenna, and Nigel Twiston Davis, he's shot five horses at David Kilhenna's and they've had five winners. There you go. Yeah, well, sorry, he's shot three horses and out of those two, they've had five winners. The one, the one mare has won three times. Um, well, this is, well, we, we can imagine a, a glimpse into the into the future. Well, um, I hope so. I mean, go on. But no, I, I just, it, it, it's completely from a well, welfare angle as well. You know what I mean? We, we're trying. We're all trying to improve this sport. You're trying to improve our sport. The BHA. Everybody wants to improve the sport. And if this makes it one percent better, it's a good thing. Um, now the condition, the concussion reductions were between between ten and twelve percent from a, from a jarring um, situation. Um, and I, I don't, one thing I forgot is the, is the slip phase. So people have been very worried about slip phase. So does the shoe, boom, stop dead? No, it doesn't. It still allows the shoe to, the foot to glide a little bit. It doesn't, it won't cause more jar from, from that point of view. We've had all this tested. Um, it is something that we will continue to do, continue to, to test and, and develop and, and, and try and make things better. That's the whole um, idea behind it. Um, for example, we, we do, tomorrow we're doing, a, we're doing gate tests with these, these shoes on to see how and if it improves. They can jump out of the store. Yeah, to prove, prove the gate and the walk and what have you. Luck on Sunday, brought to you by Whirlpool. Bet with the world.